0: I'm Mandy Jakic from Creative Matters, and you're listening to Creative Matters on Air, where I have conversations with new and established artists from around New Zealand. I love to listen to artists' stories and learn about their creative process, and maybe you do too, which is why I've made this podcast to inspire, inform, and educate. I hope you can take away something positive and encouraging from each of these amazing stories to help you on your own creative journey. Welcome to Creative Matters Q&A. It's interesting and often encouraging to hear the views of other artists. For this reason, we've come up with our Q&A sessions, where we ask the same question to a group of artists from New Zealand and share their responses. This week we ask the question... What impact has your creative making had on your everyday life? A very big warm welcome and thank you to artists Ingrid Boot, Gabriella Williams, Marlon Hart, Tanya Blong, Emma springford Goff, and Guy Dutois.
1: Hi, my name's Ingrid and I'm a realistic figurative artist and I'm based in Arewa, which is north of Auckland. Um. Working as an artist is more of a vocation rather than a job where you go to work and you do your job and then you come home and you switch off for the weekends. Um, uh, I think maybe it's because many of us work from home, so it's constantly beckoning us to do more. Um, Wherever I am in the house, I can always see my canvas in my studio wanting me to paint it. Um, uh, For many years, I've had to work my my art around being a mum so I've had to make the most of a limited amount of time that I've had um, in between my daughter was going to sleep or picking up from school. Um, but now that she's older, she's 19, she can drive. I've got much more time to create, which is really, really nice. Um, but I don't think there would ever be enough hours in the day to paint enough and then not enough time to get all the ideas that I've got down onto canvas. The nice thing I think about being an artist and a mum is that when your child is little, they can make a big old creative mess in a space that is meant for art and you don't feel precious about it. When my daughter Mia was very young she would strip off naked and paint and get all sorts of messy and I just put a bucket of warm warm water next to her so she could climb into it and wash all the paint off. I don't think if I wasn't an artist she wouldn't have had that opportunity. Um, now that she's 19, thankfully, she's fully closed and she designs on a computer. And She's not quite so messy anymore, so she doesn't need a bucket of water. Um, uh, I spend most of my everyday life either painting or thinking about painting. I'm a very visual person and I see images on a daily basis, which inspire me and get I get really excited with all the possibilities in my mind. And then I have to stop myself to continue with the job at hand, which in this case has been working towards my solo at the end of November. With these past couple of years being so disrupted with COVID, I found that creating has really helped stop me going quite mad. Lots of people think I am actually a little bit mad, but when I say that. Anyway, in the first lockdown, my mind was settled by creating a new painting every day. I was really worried at the beginning of the first COVID with everything that was happening in Italy and not knowing what was going on the world with the world. But when I decided to do a painting a day I started each morning first thing and then I finished each painting by the end of the day at three o'clock and then I posted it on social media Um, that kept my mind off everything it gave me focus um, and it just it was really nice to sort of play and it wasn't it wasn't that important the outcome of the paintings this lockdown has helped me by having a solo show deadline to work to so for me life is made a lot easier and calmer by creating I found there needs to be a balance that I think between your painting and your everyday life. But I have an awesome family who I love to spend time with. And in this lockdown, I've done lots of exercise. I've done Pilates every day and I go for a walk with my husband and then I've spent the rest of the day painting. Um, it's been really, really nice, really relaxing. Um, and I feel as if I'm getting like healthier and stronger. And my art is improving because I've I'm doing so much painting. Um my art is continuously on my mind. Uh, I never feel as if I've done enough. I feel as if I can always do more, which isn't always a good thing. Um, but it makes me work really hard. I all I can always do better, I can always do more, but I feel that my art gives my everyday life a sense of purpose. And most of all, it gives me a huge sense of enjoyment, and I absolutely love doing it. So thank you.
2: Hi, I'm Marlon Hart. Um... I live at Muruwai Beach with my wonderful family. Um, I am an artist. I've worked in the arts most of my adult life, and uh, I'm currently working on a series of limited edition prints um, under the title Pacific Crossing. Uh, and uh, we're here to talk about the impact that my creative making has had on my Everyday life and um, it's changed over the years. Um, how how my creativity has impacted on my my daily schedule. When I when I was a kid growing up in Canada, um, drawing painting was an activity that I absolutely loved from my earliest memories. I've been drawing. And, of course, in in Canada in winter it snows and you could only play outside for so long um, before you would die of exposure or frostbite. So so, um, uh, you spend a lot of time indoors during winter and, and I loved drawing. And then in spring and autumn on the west coast of Canada where I grew up, it rains and it would start raining one day it would rain for three weeks and not stop so again spend a lot of time indoors uh summer of course I was outside all the time but uh I love drawing it was it was an activity that I could sit in my room or sit at the dining room table let my imagination take over and I would draw whatever my dream world was on that day so stuff that. Kids, you know, boys draw like lots of knights in shining armour and monsters and dinosaurs and fantasy worlds. So that creative making was a huge part of my world as a child and continued to be so through my my teens, um, early teens, mid-teens. Uh, I would draw for the sheer joy of it. Um, and I was one of those kids at school where the other kids would look at what you were drawing in your exercise book when you were supposed to be doing your algebra and say, wow, you're a good drawer. And uh, it was it was a nice thing to be told that. Then I went to art school, of course. So art became something that I was thrown in with all these other people that were doing art and everybody had fabulous talents. Everybody had their own areas of expertise. So that was that was a fantastic learning curve to be on learning what other people were into and what they were doing admiring um, their work and talking about what we were doing. And then I got my first full-time job as a junior art director uh, with an advertising agency in Auckland City in New Zealand. And uh, I got that job back in the days when, to be an art director, you had to actually be able to draw because computers were only just coming in. This would have been about 1977. So uh, you didn't do artwork on computers. They had a black screen with bright green type and and, um, secretaries one by one uh, were slowly moving from electric typewriters to computers. So they didn't do the stuff they do today in terms of graphics. So I started working as an art director because I could draw and I worked as an illustrator um I did storyboards, visuals. And I continued to work in the advertising industry for the best part of thirty years. And over that thirty years, I found that this creative process, the the role it played in my daily life, changed hugely from when I was a kid. because when I was a kid, it was fun. And then over time, working as an art director, it lost the fun aspect. It became a chore. I had to turn up at work, I had to draw. On demand, um, so I was still creative on a daily basis, but it had lost its fun. It had lost its charm. It had lost its magic. And uh, about twenty years ago, I stopped working full time in advertising, and I worked freelance. Um, now it was still a chore to have to turn out those storyboards and visuals and illustrations. Um. And I've started working in other fields, working in the film industry, uh, amongst other things. Uh, and over the last, I'd say probably 10 to 15 years, I've rediscovered that fun aspect, that 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 magic, that that feeling of I'm going to sit down and draw because I feel like it. I'm going to sit down and draw because I want to. I'm going to sit down and draw because I'm excited about what I'm going to draw. And I'm particularly feeling that with with this um, series I'm working on, Pacific Crossing. I'm, I'm very excited about sitting down and, and working on it and doing that. So I've, to some extent, rediscovered that magic of the process that I had when I was a little kid. And that's the best part of it. So... The creative making has always had an impact on my life, but I went through this huge, you know, 30-year period of the middle part of my life where I had to do it. It was still important to me because that's what was putting food on the table, and paying mortgage, you know. But um, now it's back into that fun, total creativity, doing what I want, when I want, how I want, and uh, it's just great to be back to where I was when I was a little
3: kid again. Hi, I'm Gabriella Williams. I'm a self-taught artist from Auckland. I work mainly in pen and ink and acrylic. And I work full-time teaching at kindergarten. And probably the biggest impact that my creative making has had on my life, there's several ways, but... One of the biggest things is how I look at things differently. I look at, uh, through a different lens, I guess, um, I look more closely at what I see. So I'm looking at more detail, more pattern, more shape and colour, composition. And anything I'm looking at, if I'm at the beach, I look at patterns in the sand, and the waves. When I'm driving, I look at hills and think, of the shapes and whether I could perhaps create that in my own way. I work mainly with bold lines and um, fine detail and color with my acrylics. I guess it fills my minds with my mind with provocations for future work. Um, and one of the things also, I guess, is that when I'm teaching the children, it's it actually, feeds into how I can offer children new creative opportunities and I experiment alongside them as well. Working alongside the children, I find that um, I love sharing my passion and my skills with them and am amazed at how creative they can become with that um, support and guidance and that also in turn sort of feeds my passion for art and makes me want to create more myself. Um, one of the big things for me is that also the impact is that even when I'm at work, um, my thoughts are often filled with creative ideas. So I guess for me, it's also that I, in an ideal world, I'd love to have more time to create, actually full time if that was possible, um, because, you know, there's so much more I'd like to do but that's actually not that realistic. Um, There's never enough time in the day to do what I want to be doing Um, and often artwork is the last thing that I get to even though um, it's one of my most things I enjoy the most. Um, Everything else seems to be more important and then when I finally get to it, I realise that I actually want to be doing it a lot more. So that's a sad thing. But I'm trying to sort of allow more time and hopefully in time to come, that'll be something that I can allocate. Yeah, more time because it is about um, taking time for yourself. And um, But my thoughts are always in it. That's the thing, I guess, that's very that really impacts on me and my creative making is now my mind is often thinking of a next project. Something will fill my mind with um, a lovely idea, a lovely shape, a pattern, a photograph, and I'll think I want to do that and then it's it is actually just getting the time to do it. But yeah, I absolutely enjoy it when I get to it. and so that's the plan is to have more time.
4: Hi, I'm Emma sprinkford goff I live in Huapai, I've got, I'm a painter and I've got a beautiful little studio out at Helensville which I slip way to but my other life is, I work part-time four days a week and I've got three children and so just working around my creative life and how that goes how that fits in with my work and for everything else, is that I working four days a week, I always have a time slot one day a week to go in. But since we've been in level three, I've found I've had to change that around and change it into a weekend slot. So I always try and make a time to go into my studio. The fact I pay for my studio is a really good reason that always kind of gets me out there. Because if I'm not in there, I'm just paying for... A really nice building to sit with my materials in there. Um, I was just thinking about it before, and I was like, well, when I do go into my studio, a big thing about it is making the time to actually physically get there. And I always have to take little things to trick myself into not leaving early. So a big thing for that is making sure I've got the right stuff with me. I do write little lists when I leave the previous time for if I've run out of something or if I've had to make a note. And I always have to take food as well to have a little picnic and a cup of tea and I need to have a really good time slot where I'm not rushing to leave after an hour I have this beautiful ritual where I walk in and I unlock it and I turn the lights on and I put the kettle on and I find some music to get me grounded and to kind of key myself into my work and then I make a cup of tea and I've got this lovely chair where I sit down in the corner and kind of just sit there and kind of creep up on things a little bit and not really know them and look at my work that I've done previously out of the corner of my eye and go, oh, oh yeah, that's okay, and oh, fuck, I remember that. And that generally takes me about 20 minutes, I guess, to, to kind of settle in from getting out of the car. Um, In my studio, is, I share it with two other women, and so I always have a look, a good look around first before I start doing anything as part of my process to see if anything else has changed with their work and notice any changes. It's a little bit like a... guess spying in some ways on that kind of thing but um when I do get started I paint I've got a couple of things on the go and I always find it's really good to have more than one thing on the go when I'm getting to my studio just for drying drying times the studio itself isn't very warm inside so things do take a bit more time to dry I start off with some really, really big things that I've got going on the wall and then I have smaller things that I can do while I'm waiting for other things either to think about or kind of relax a bit and prepare. I always have something which I'm trying to prepare for next time. Sometimes all I do is when I go in there is paint backgrounds mainly because I don't really know what else to do. So I guess to me, I force myself in some ways to make the I've made the commitment by having a studio space to work in and then I also trick myself into having to go there and then I've set up little systems in place to keep me there like taking my food and having a cup of tea and making it a beautiful environment because I find especially being a mum and working there's always something else you can be doing and there's always opportunities that come up that you can get distracted by I'm quite easily distracted and that's been a really big thing for me to realise, to kind of go, this is like a job, and I need to sit down and turn it into a job because I'm spending money on this. I'm spending materials. It's like I'm changing the way I'm justifying the way everything works around my life by having this as being a part of it. And so I really need to trick myself into, making, into being there and having that commitment. I think that's a really big thing is having the time but also a space one thing one of the reasons why I love my studio is because I don't have to go and set anything up when I get there when I was at home I found I had to really struggle to set up everything on the kitchen table and then to either be happy to leave it out there with lots of little people kind of squidging around or to then have to pack it away and you're kind of committing to that whole scenario. So for me, a studio was kind of a life changer, a game changer for my work. Just going, I can walk in there, it's already tidy, everything's there, everything's set up, and I can leave without having to do anything. And when I leave, I do have a little tidy because I think a little bit of my head is like, if I was going to look through the window, what would I want to see? <laughs> or what would I want people to see if I was looking, if they were going to peep in the window of the studio? And... What I basically want to do is set it up so that when I walk in the door the next time, instead of going, ah, I'm like, this is it. I'm here. I've made it. Congratulations. Um, um, I paint really big ships. And lately I've been doing Navy frigates. And so another part of my creative process is when I'm out and about, if we're out somewhere, is I do really have a really good look around and see what nautical things are around, uh, uh, visible and if there's any boats I'll have a little check them out and then take some photos as part of that process to then bring back in to my studio but it also kind of keeps me connected and keeps me thinking about things lately I've decided that oh I we went to the Maritime Museum a long time ago and I took photos of all the trophies that were there and so the other day I was in there and I was like oh actually I feel I'm going to do a stitching series, which I'll do from home, but based on the idea of um, lockdown trophies. So taking the big trophies and stitching them up at home and then actually being able to frame them and put them up is from, from those that original source of what they are. Because if you go around and you go to the Maritime Museum, but also all the yacht clubs will have them as well, and all the little trophies have got... All the little, the dates and the families and all those years, and there's so many of them. It's like a school prize giving, but even worse. <laughs> so, but I did say, so sometimes when I'm in my studio, as I try, as I do, work out what I can do from home and the connections I can make within that, and then I can tuck away at the corner, which I haven't started to yet, but that's going to be my next little, my next creativity, creative, I guess. Channel between my studio and my home will be thinking about that probably for quite a while and then actually doing it i do find that having kids around is amazing but actually it's great to leave them at home and i never take them to the studio with me anymore because they are just a bit they always want to leave and so having it being able to do something at home around them is also good but not really necessary for my pre- creative process oh. that and that is that's me really
0: you speak
5: Kia ora. <laughs> <laughs> I thought Sorry. we were going to start
0: so. <laughs> <laughs> we, I can just edit that out okay so just start <laughs>
5: <laughs> uh, Kia ora uh, to all the listeners and thanks to uh, Mandy for having me again it's um, always nice to talk about these things um so the question how has um my daily life changed since I started on this creative journey it's an interesting question not having been an artist in my life um never having thought about being an artist i i guess i always viewed the world slightly differently um and then when i started doing this um Oh, well, I guess I should tell people who I am, eh? <laughs> Sorry, I get so excited about what I do. My name's Guy, Dutoy, uh, Guy Dutoy, uh, depending on where in the world I am. Um, I'm a wood artist living in Keri, Keri in the beautiful Northland of New Zealand. Um, so before I embarked on this journey, I, I, I definitely looked at the world in a different way. Um, and now, since I started learning from other artists and speaking to my mentors and having gone to the school in France, I look at things differently. I look at colors differently. So a defining moment for me was Roly Monroe, who's who's a really superb wood artist. Um, He's my mentor. And we were talking about colors because I never painted. I never drew. I didn't know any of that. Um, And so you don't think about wood as and, and wood turning, and, and my form of art is something that would involve colours necessarily. But there are so many things that you can do because you can airbrush them, you can dry brush acrylic, and so on. So I'm trying to learn about colours. And Rowley said to me, "Look at nature. You would never think to combine red and pink and green. They just those colours just don't go together until you go outside." And he showed me a particular plant. Don't ask me what the plant was. I got no idea. And the leaves were this combination of green and pink and red. And it's as if for the first time in my life I'd ever actually seen this. And now I constantly find myself walking around looking at plants and leaves and flowers and just insects and shells and the the, the completely bizarre and to my eye illogical color representations that are happening in nature. And so now I'm always looking at that. And the other thing is. What I've learned is in nature, no pattern repeats itself. So having a math background, I knew about Fibonacci patterns. So every pattern in nature follows Fibonacci. Um, And I'm working on a commissioned sculpture that follows Fibonacci as well. Um, So now I look at Fibonacci and I look at these patterns. But uh, if you look at seashells as an example, and I I collect really odd-looking seashells because I use them for inspiration. I look at the patterns on there, and it's a pattern, but it's, an, it's, an, it's a not geometrically specific repeating pattern. You know, it's not the exact same thing that repeats and repeats and repeats. There's definitely a pattern though So, I try and now look at how would I recreate those patterns in my work if I'm texturing something. My math brain loves the same specific patterns. So, I don't know which of the listeners will know a, a toy we used to use as kids called the Spirograph, where you draw these completely crazy, repeatable patterns. And I loved that thing as a kid. I absolutely loved one, and I have one now. And, and I draw these things. So I want to put that into my art. And then I think about when I, when I turn a piece of green wood and it dries and it forms these completely natural, organic shapes. I want to take patterns and I want to texture or paint or color patterns, repeatable patterns, but in the way that nature would do it so that it's not geometric. And it's this this dichotomy in my head. And I guess that's how it's changed since I've started on this journey. And the other thing is I now look at the world differently because I'm looking for inspiration. So at the moment, I'm completely enamored by fungi mushrooms in all the most bizarre shapes and colors and forms and it's like my my new thing wow i'm just loving fungi because there's millions of different color combinations and shapes and so on and in in wood turning um it's it's all about the curve and it's all about the shape if the shape isn't right then it just doesn't work it's not pleasing to the eye so i look at the shapes in nature and i try and bring those shapes into what i'm doing and one of my biggest inspirations at the school was one of our teachers, Alain melon who creates these incredibly fluid, really delicate shapes. Steam bending wood and so on. And I keep going back to these delicate things. And I want to make these shapes that simulate nature and the flow of nature. And to have these fluid patterns. So that's I guess how things have changed from that way. And then the other thing that's happened is I'm now looking at the work of other artists and I'm not just talking about wood artists. I mean, painters and uh, even people who do music and it's a whole new world for me because I'm starting to think, Oh, you know what? As somebody who never really understood it, I'm now starting to see the amount of work that went into this kind of thing. And it's nice to talk to people to understand where the inspiration comes from. And that was great when you started these, when you approached me for the podcast. I've now started listening to other people and say, oh, look at that. And I'm starting to meet other other artists. And it's really so yeah, that's fantastic. Um and I think that's all I'm going to say because that's a, that's yeah, that's about that sums it up.
0: Hi, and it's Mandy here. And I thought I might just add to this conversation because um I've got quite strong ideas, I guess, about this one. I have been painting um, for about 24 years, and I have never really devoted my life to my art practice. Um, I've always done it sort of on the side. So I've always had full-time work, or I've been running my business in a full-time capacity. Um, And I've always kind of seen my art practice as something that fits in sort of around full-time work, which, you know, I find kind of interesting. The more that I talk to people and um, sort of develop my own business and practice, I am starting to see that actually I need to prioritize my art making and see it almost as part of my work. And I guess I haven't been seeing it as part of my work because I don't always make money from what I'm making. And that's kind of an interesting one in itself, that idea. But I'm sort of starting to prioritise my art making as part of my working week. And I get together with three very good friends on Mondays when we can. And we do actually make together and get quite a lot of work done most of the time um, but I find that that is good for me because it sort of forces me to do some of my work, my my art when I might be thinking actually I'm too busy to do it um, and even on Mondays often it's a busy day for me with my business but I am, I am learning to prioritise the art making and to see it as a valued part of my work week. I'm in the process of making a studio, or my husband George's, I should say. I have done some painting. But um, I think that's going to be good for me because it will give me that sort of, um, you know, a, a different way of working where I have to actually go to a place and work there and then come back. So I think the studio idea is going to be sort of beneficial. I know that if I had prioritised my painting over this 24 years more, I would be a better artist. And um, I think in a way that's kind of a shame that I haven't put more time and energy into it over the years. But, um, you know, that's just the way it's been. And I feel like in the next sort of 20, 30 years, that's really going to be my time as an artist. Um, and that's Okay. And I feel really glad that I have brought up my children in an environment of creativity. So they've always seen me making or having something on the go all the way through their lives. Um, And hopefully that will, you know, that's been inspiring for them. And the thing about art making is that the more you do it, the more ideas you get and the better you become sort of technically, I guess, Um, and then, you know, the more your art sort of develops and, and grows and the ideas behind it become more meaningful and that's what I found really with my with my process. My work now is a lot more um, personal to me and is is making much deeper connections for me and that's really responding to where I'm living. I do find that when I have times like holidays or uh, we're in lockdown, which we are at the moment, um, perhaps in the weekends, um, sometimes in the evenings, that is the time where I feel like I can really devote myself to my, to my art. Um, and as I said earlier, you know, I think that needs to change and I, I need to sort of work my life so that it fits around what I want to be creating. And yeah, so that's just my little contribution.
6: Hi, my name is Tanya Blong. Uh, I'm an artist, predominantly a painter. Actually, sorry, start again. (laughs) (laughs) Because I'm only a painter.
0: (laughs) Okay, off we go. I'll take that out, I promise. (laughs) You won't.
6: (laughs) Hi, my name is Tanya Blong. Um, I'm a painter. I predominantly work in figurative works. Um, My work really talks about leisure and... um, slowing down life and sort of having the time to, um, make connections and, um, just live a leisureful life, I guess, um, in terms of how creativity has impacted my life, um, being a creative maker, I think, um, especially since I became a full-time painter and spend every day creating, it has, um, it's just intrinsic to who I am now. It's how I uh, walk through this world and process the everyday. It's how I visually see the world. Um, but also, you know, emotionally, intellectually, metaphorically, um, it just overlays everything. I think maybe it's that artistic lens. Maybe it's having, um, having an artistic lens in the way that you look at the world. Um, for me, it's really that... Everything is so interesting. (laughs) There's this like innate curiosity and um maybe like a child where you see something for the first time every time. And um I think through what you're painting and your ideas, what you're thinking about and researching, then you know you see it everywhere in life. So um it might be visually what you're painting. Say if you're painting a chair, then suddenly chairs everywhere are absolutely fascinating or for me looking at leisure, you know, um, looking at sports and everyday life, and sort of who gets to play those sports, who doesn't get to play the sports, and so it's that curiosity that just makes um, for an absolutely fascinating life. Um, you know, you become a geek on everything, and um, I love that. Like, life just has this wonder and amazement and intrigue, and um, yeah, it just gives you a passion and a zest for life, I find. Um, And I'm so thankful that I get to live my life like that every day. Um, Visually, I think for me, because um, my work really has a a strong interest in colour, I use non-local colour. So um, kind of like the Fauvis, I use colour where, you know, it wouldn't be put traditionally. And I love pushing colour and when, you know, sort of finding that edge between different colours where you get a charge back for me that is just um, it's it's fascinating and so I'm always trying to play with this color and um, try different things and so if I do that all day then for me when I actually go out um you know I say I paint all day and then I go to pick up my son from school or something I then when I'm driving I see the road you know I see it all the highlights and Naples yellow I see the you know shadows and it's almost like you get a, um, heightened sense of color. And so the way that you walk through the world is, um, again, really, really heightened. And, um, yeah, it's just, again, that slowing down of life and seeing everything, um, with real clarity and, um, a great perception, I guess. Yeah. Um, and yeah I guess also like the color thing with patterns for me um you know again you know know, if I wear colors or patterns together it's almost like a whole body experience and that um I think it's the when there's like a juxtaposition of colors next to each other it is quite there's like an energy but for me it's calming because um it's so heightened it's calming if that makes sense um yeah it's like a whole body experience. I love it. It's just um, quite encompassing and I feel really privileged that I get to sort of have this magical world. and um, yeah, for me, it just creates magic, kind of like Santa magic, you know that feeling of um, otherworldliness or yeah, and I really I really appreciate that and um, feel blessed that I um, get to experience that every day.
2: Yeah, no, that's great.